You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Psyched by MG. This is Mary Grace Randazzo Ratliff, or MG for short. I've been a psychotherapist in private practice for 32 years now. Guess what, everyone? We all have issues. So it's time to lighten up and move forward. Let's stop letting our crap control us and take control of our crap. Good evening. Hello, Barbara. Hello, MG. How are you? I'm How doing are you? good. We hey, have Matt. Been- How are you over there in the booth? <laughs> I'm sure you heard me. Hey, Max. I hey, you know what? I'm doing really well today. I, I shared oh, I shared with you why, and I got a smile on my face. So, so happy. Yep. Matt's, but, you know, doing great employment, health, because he got sick last week. Whatever. <laughs> no, I'm excited to be... I'm excited to be in the booth and listening to what you guys have to talk today, but I will promise I will deny every single piece of it. <laughs> a great lead in right there. Well, the first thing uh, I, I want to do, of course, Barbara, I want to promote your podcast. So I want to yes. give you a little bit of a moment to tell everyone about your podcast. So my podcast is found on uh, Apple, um, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, about eight of them. I never memorize this stuff because I don't have enough brain cells to do so, but it is called Generic African Auntie, old world lessons that they don't teach you in school and you certainly will not find in books. And my YouTube channel is Life Lessons with Coach B. So yeah, check it out. It's really for young women, young people, um, just trying to give them some skills and tools to navigate the world and to sort of address questions that I know for a fact they would never address with their parents. So yeah. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful. Um, And then, of course, you can find Psyched by MG in several different places, Podcast Detroit, Spotify, Google and Apple Podcast. Uh, You can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn, um, and, of course, right here on Facebook. Um, Please, please, please uh, definitely take a moment right now and subscribe Click like um, and, uh, you know, support us because we really do appreciate it. But not only support us, please, again, we I'm listening and reading your comments all the time. And uh, you can private message us at Psyched by MG on Facebook for sure. And, you know, we want to know um, any topics or issues that you definitely want us to cover. Um, and we got Matthew Burita with us now. Hi, Matthew. Hello, everyone. Hey, how are you? Hi, Barbara. Good. Yep. How are you guys? We're good. good. We're good. Um, we have to watch the time for Matthew tonight because he, he if, if we keep going, he's got a, a hard stop at 630. Um, but before we jump into denial, um, I, I want to do just a moment of silence because as everyone knows, today is 9-11. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I just want to acknowledge, you know, 9-11 today because it was such a horrific, a horrific day. 
2,977 people died on 9-11. 19 were hijackers who committed suicide. 6,000 people were injured. 343 um, people that died were firefighters. 71 people were in the police department, law enforcement. It was the deadliest terrorist attack in the in world history um, and the most devastating foreign attack on U.S. soil. Um, and so I want to take just a, a moment or two um, to acknowledge those um, people who died, people who were hurt, um, people, those family members who lost people who were very dear to them, and all of the search rescue teams, front lines people who now probably struggle with some real serious, you know, anxiety and stress due to what they experienced. So I want to now take a moment and let us all um, think about them and send them really good energy and our thoughts and our prayers for them. Um, So let's just take a moment. Thanks, everybody. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to stay with 9-11 for just a minute. Being, you know, a New York State person myself, that day was so horrific and shocking. And I, I was telling Barbara about a dear friend of mine who was supposed to be in the World Trade Center that day. And her meeting was moved at the last minute. And so she was spared, but her family did not know that she wasn't in there and they were scared to death. And I remember when I finally got to talk to my dear friend, um, she said, Mary Grace, I, I can't stop watching the news. Like I'm not sleeping and I'm constantly watching the news. Yeah. And, um, it kind of speaks to what's going on today, you know, with all the politics and, and the issues that are out there right now with racial tensions and, you know, fascism and all the issues that are just everywhere. I I just want to say, please, please, please. If you are a news junkie, if you are somebody just like I told her, you know, 19 years ago, Don't watch the news constantly. Limit yourself. Get enough information in the day and then let it go because you feed stress and anxiety on the body. You don't, when you're going by a car wreck, you don't stand there all day and watch it, film it, replay it over and over and over again. You are literally stressing your system out in so many ways that isn't good for you. So, um, you know, I I just remember my dear friend just saying, Mary Grace, I I know something's wrong with me because I just can't stop. And I said, well, because you were terrified. You were terrified. You were scared. And they had a hard time getting out of the city and they couldn't, you know, their phones weren't working. And it was all of this trauma. And and then what they saw, of course, was horrendous. Um, But when you do go through a trauma, don't feed it and replay it. The body does need rest and it does need to disconnect so it can restore. So I wanted to just make that 
quick comment is we're thinking about 9-11 and, you know, as we're going through COVID and all of the stress that we're going through today, that I thought that was just something important to say. Now, we're going to talk about denial today. God, this was such a great topic. And, and Barbara and I did this powwow and we're like, oh, we're so talking about this the next show. Like, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it's it's about denial. And when you deny problems and feelings, what it does to the system and how it affects you and how that disconnect and not wanting to look, what it does to your body emotionally and physically. But also I want to touch on what makes you do that, you know, because you've learned to do this. Um, and there's several things that feed a person not to deal with their issues, not to deal with their problems, not to deal with their stress or their emotions, whether they buck up or, or you know, detach or drink it or drug it or eat it or run from it. Um I think- I'm feeling I'm feeling personally attacked, Mary Grave. Oh. <laughs> I swear to God. But it, you know I myself too. I'm just saying I'm like uh, uh. <laughs> you know what we all have crap, right? We do. And no, the, and that's the tagline, you know, let's Let's get control of our crap so our crap doesn't control us. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing we all know right out of the gate is everybody's got shit, people. I mean, right. I say this all the time. Like, everybody's got shit. Fall in love with it. Tend to it. Look at it. Deal with it. And embrace it. Because if you fight it, run from it, it's going to catch up. It's going to find you, period. It doesn't really go anywhere. No. Because you're running and you still got your sack of crap with you. Mm -hmm. You think you're running away from it, but it's on your back. It's right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it doesn't go anywhere. It's with you the whole time. And I think part of changing, right, is you you cannot change what you don't acknowledge. Yes. Right? And that's where I think uh, whenever I, I, I talk to people, especially young people, I'm like, you know what? Own it. It's okay. No judgment here. See, a, a lot of the time, people deny their issues or their problems because there's a deep sense of shame around it. For me, I, I, I like mm. to look at, at, at um, the shadow self. And, mm. I, and, I always, and, I, and I tell people that, do you know that there would not be any good you if there were, wasn't, you know, right. not bad, but there wasn't crappy you. If there was no um, kind you... They, Yes, we are yes. good, we are a balance of things. And that shadow self, the, the negative things, the negative emotions, and I use that word negative also sparingly because again, when you say negative, hard my body hard is emotion. very harsh. And yeah. I actually have a, a visceral reaction to it akin to shame. And it's like we need to maybe word some of these things differently. So that it doesn't have a charge around yeah. you talking about these things to people, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that people accept that it actually is part of being human mm-hmm. to have things that are that are that we need to work on. Put it that way, right? We come into this world to grow and to learn. And for me, 
just from a philosophical, maybe spiritual perspective, part of that growth and learning is dealing with the shadow self and those things about us that we know we need to improve and we would like to improve. Yeah. So there's no shame or judgment there. You're just a human. No. There's a story that I tell clients and and I ended up in a meeting. I shared it with Barbara um, that I say, look, guys, you have to look at it like this. I, I, I see it as like the soul before it entered the earth has to go see, you know, God, great mystery, whatever your divine person that you believe in. And I'm going to use God just to to make it easy. Um, And so the first person ever to, to, to come down on earth, I swear, God said, okay, here, here is your bag of shit. These are all of your issues, your mistakes, your problems. And if you look at them and you tend to them and you grow from them, this bag of shit will turn into treasures. Go forth and conquer. And the first person was all excited. I mean, she was like, oh, my God, you know, I've got a bag of shit. I can't wait to get to it. And went off and started to look at the bag. Second person comes, God says, come forward. And the second person was hesitant. God said, here's your bag of shit. Go forth and conquer. Either you're going to turn it into gold and treasure or it's going to stink, but it is up to you. You have free will. You choose what you do with your mistakes, your struggles, your emotions, your vulnerabilities. And the second person says, well, I don't want that. And God said, well, I'm sorry, but everyone gets a bag. And the second person said, well, I really don't want it. And he said, here you go. Take it. The second person's like, man, well, the first person couldn't wait till the second person was done. So the first person's running up to the second person because they can't wait to share what's in his bag, in her bag of shit. But the second person sees her coming and dumps their bag behind a big boulder. And the first person gets to the second person and says, look at my bag of shit that God gave me. And the second person, sheepishly, a little bit manipulative, said, really? God didn't give me a bag. I wonder why you got shit. And then that's how shame began. The first person then thinks, well, shoot. Why did I get a bag of shit? I must need to hide my shit. But in reality, everyone has a freaking bag of shit, people. Yep. And the shit, we can turn into something of value and treasure. And mistakes and problems are telling you something. They're trying to talk to you. They're telling you what you have to master. They're giving you a clue into what you need to look at. And so... Today, we really want this show to get people to fall in love with the shit they got. Because we all got shit. There's some people that cover it up really well. They do a great job. They're masterful at camouflage. And they're full of shit, people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My God. Oh, my God. I love that kind of person who I meet that is like, you know, oh, my life is perfect. And I think, yeah, but... Come on, get real. Really? 
I know you got problems. About getting real. It really is about getting real. Because everything and anything else is just facade and illusion. Well, and I think the relationships too, like when you have, when you're dealing with your shit and I mean, linguistically, right. When you're thinking of denial, it's the refusal to admit the truth. That's right. And so when, especially individually, if you're admitting the truth to yourself and think about also then if you're having, if you're friends with another person who's admitting the truth to themselves, well, then imagine what that's going to be, right? It's going to be, I mean, you you have that recipe in, and I always, and I would go over this with when I worked with prisoners or you know, residential clients, like, all right, so here's a recipe bowl. What do you need? What ingredients do you need for the outcome to be the truth? Yeah. And so I would, and I would say to them like, and then what, what do you gain from actually, because oftentimes I think too, the stigma is, well, I'm going to lose so much. And the reality is, and in re- and, and a retrospective look on it is we often gain and we most notably gain so much from telling the truth. Right. It yep. doesn't mean that it's not hard. It doesn't mean that it's that's not, right. you know, something that's going to just, you know, knock you on your ass. But at the same time, you get to liberate yourself. You're not actually allowing yourself to be shackled to that. I love that. I love that so much because one of the things I'm always talking about is your vulnerability is your power, right? When you are able to admit your shortcomings, if you're able to admit a problem that you have, well, it's almost half solved one, but it endears you to so many people. And like you say, it liberates not only you, but it liberates other people to be real too. Yes. Because it, I've, I've seen this over and over again where somebody says something, a deep truth, and people around are like, oh my God, you too? Me too. And you suddenly have a whole room, like in workshops, you suddenly have a whole room of people Mm-hmm. And you can see the burden coming off their shoulders because yeah. it took that one person who was courageous enough to be vulnerable and to share. Um, and, and everybody else felt empowered to do that. Yeah. So it's pretty powerful. It's very well, powerful. The intimacy, the intimacy, like you mentioned, when you start sharing and you start allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And it's interesting because when you have that that energy and even between us when we're sharing and I loved it when we when I first met Barbara and you're like permission to be vulnerable I'm like I like her (laughs) (laughs) because part of it is that's a it's also a sign of showing and and kind of demonstrating that you don't have to be a bull in a china shop. You can you can actually approach it with grace. You can you can say to somebody, listen, permit. And I say this to clients, and especially working in the prison too, having to you know it's a tenuous task. But I'll say permission to be direct, permission mm-hmm. to be vulnerable with you. And it's like you, people have the right to give you permission. And like you said, it already it already loosens up the vigilance and the hypervigilance, and it That's and it right. loosens up the the kind of the PTSD that a lot of us have from people violating and crossing boundaries. And I think that's another, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent a little bit, but I think that's also part of the reason that keeps denial going and perpetuating is that, you know, people crossing and violating boundaries 
And yeah. so people think, well, sh- screw that shit. I'm just going to, I'm not going to tell the truth. But Exactly. I'm not going to say so anything. We, do, no. we, yeah, we need more, we need more of these kind of pioneers. And imagine, you know, we, when people say, oh, I'm just one person. But imagine if all 250, 300 million United States of Americans are pioneers. Wow. Well, individually, then we're all pioneers. We're all refusing denial. We're right. all, you know, choosing and making that choice to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, denial is a coping mechanism that is supposed to give you time to adjust to a problem. It has a purpose, but it is supposed to just give your body time to adjust, not a place to live. It's temporary and it's healthy, but it's got to be temporary. Right. And I think there's two forms of denial. I think there's people who live in denial. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's certain blinders that we all have that make us go into, like we don't want to be in denial, but we have a blind spot that we can't see. Right, right. And, um, you know, I, I tell this story of years ago when I was in college, a good friend of mine she noticed when I talked, now she was not Italian and she was a Philadelphia girl and she was from old money and she was very proper, but she sweetly said to me, Mary Grace, I don't think you're aware of something. And I said, what is it? And she goes, you interrupt people. Hmm. Now, shame, I felt shame immediately. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I what? But she was so sweet. She goes, do not beat yourself up. She goes, you are not, you have no you have no awareness of it. I don't think you're trying to hurt anybody. Right. And I said, dear God, how do I break this? Like, I I didn't know I had a blind spot to it. Right. And um, so she just helped me. She said, I'm going to, I said, give me a little pinch. Like when we're out and we're with our friends and stuff, if I interrupt too much, give me a little pinch. So I know. So I get a reminder and, and I worked on for years being conscious, not to know I still can do it because <laughs> I get so excited about so things. passionate, right? I'm like, wait, wait, I got to say this. Um, but I'm much more conscious of the blind spot. So sometimes we, we have to begin with making it okay in our relationships or finding the relationship or the person that it can be okay to bring things up, bring up, you know, blind spots, bring up when something hurts, bring up when something makes you angry, bring because first of all, sometimes people do things and they do it innocently. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They truly don't know what's going on. And, and Matthew just talked about PTSD, PTSD which is an anxiety disorder and it's created, the anxiety is created due to a trauma. So it's a post-traumatic stress, post-trauma anxiety. And for people who struggle with PTSD, and, and I am one of those, sometimes you can get into a situation that is a familiar thing, like having an argument with somebody mm-hmm. and you'll want to shut down and get guarded And just defend yourself, but 
in reality, the person that you're interacting with is somebody that you don't have to defend yourself with, somebody you don't have to have a war with. But you can have these habitual reactions that you do that you have to get unlocked. Right. And a lot of that is to do with, again, you know, it always tracks back to the narratives that are playing in your subconscious, right? It goes back to how maybe you were treated as a child. So, for example, I know a lot of young people who have become such good liars. It's pathological. Because they learned as they were growing up that if they told the truth, they got punished severely for it. And it, all it took was one time to deny having done something or to tell a lie and get away with it and realize that, oh, okay, so for me not to be punished, for me not to suffer because I made a mistake, I'll just lie about it. And so you're right. It, it, you, 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 once you start doing something and you see that it works, especially when you're a kid, because you don't have any other way to be safe but to find ways of surviving in some situations. And so you become the habitual liar and it becomes pathological to the point where sometimes you're lying even as an adult for absolutely no reason where you don't even need to tell a lie. It's a habit that you're not even conscious that you're doing anymore. It, right. That you have no intentions of creating the problem that occurs when you're lying and it's peacetime, it's a peaceful relationship, it's right. a relationship right. that wants honesty, that will not hurt you, will not condemn you, will not judge you. It's a relationship that the lie now causes a distance and a spacing yeah. instead of a connection. And people with PTSD, the goal in, in healing PTSD is you have to learn how to differentiate, meaning you have to know when a situation is actually a situation that you want to drop that fighter in you. You want to drop that guard. You want to drop the lie. You want to drop the anger. You want to connect and to feel safe. And that's, that's a lot of work because mm-hmm. for PTSD, I always say, listen, you're, I call mine my street fighter. I got a street fighter in me. And my street fighter during the time saved my freaking life. Right. I needed it. It was a super sanity. It was a defense mechanism. And I had to have it. But that street fighter during peacetime can push people away. That's it. And I had to learn how to not come across so intensely or, or that fighter coming out where I would get defensive way too fast. Right. Um, Matthew, I was going to say it was like that. It's like that old saying where, and I've said this to myself, so I was able to give it away. Um, And some people receive it and some people don't, but essentially, you know, you can put walls up around you. And like you said, the, the defenses are helpful. Our mind is miraculous and marvelous. It, It protects us. But then for longer extended periods, if we allow it to take up rent in our head, then that's when it can start to do maladaptive kind of out kind of, we can yeah. see maladaptive outcomes. And I always, and I've said, and I recently at a previous, um, at a previous uh, employer that I was working at, I said, you know, one of a colleague of mine, I said, and it just kind of socially and in, in, in an interaction, it just wasn't pleasant. And I said, you know, that's fine that, you know, I understand you've been, cause I did, I, I went right there. I said, someone hurt you. 
And I understand that because of that, you know, walls went up. But also the problem with that is when you put those walls up, you also keep good people out too. And like you said, Mary Grace is like learning how to, and you know, Barbara, when you say learn, you know, permission to be vulnerable, it's like, we have to get, get to a place and, and help people to get to that place of, of actually being intimate with each other and allowing ourselves to let the guard down. And like you said, to kind of say, well, wait a minute, I don't, wait oh this is this is my reality right now it does not need any street fighter right now i'm i'm actually i'm actually okay and even if things don't get and even if things don't become okay i still may not need that street fighter because i've evolved i've grown i've matured i'm i'm wiser and i'm able to protect myself now yeah yeah right right and you know there's people stay in denial and don't face their problems, a great deal of them, um, because of shame spirals. They're so afraid to be vulnerable and so scared that they're going to get judged, condemned, attacked, that their body just formulates that mechanism that says, oh, it's not there, or they minimize it. How many times you're listening to a story of trauma that someone's telling you, And they're like, oh, but it was no big deal. And they report it versus experience it. Oh, my God. They report it like they're reading the news. Yeah, and then uh, the car flipped over, and we flipped three times. And, yeah, I was in ICU. And, you know, but I'm fine now. And I'm like, holy shit, you just set off a bomb. Like, you've just been through trauma. And, and I will say, especially if it's a client, I'll say, wow, you can report that story, but you don't know how to share that story. Because if that happened and you don't tear up or if, you, if somebody's attacked you and you're not getting pissed or sad or scared, you're just reporting the story. And that's a form of detachment. That's it. And you have to watch detachment because... How you feed detachment is to have denial, to say, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's not there. Oh, we'll get to it later. Oh, you know, oh, my God, you're being too intense or you're, you know, you're being dramatic. Uh, Stop. (laughs) I'll tell you something. It's funny you say that because I just got goosebumps because um, one of the things I've told you about, uh, you know, I'm part of the big African immigrant community, you know, you know, Indian immigrants and so on. One thing that has always bothered me sometimes when we gather and have conversations. And again, I've seen like I'm the crazy dramatic woman mm-hmm. because people will talk about how differently we were raised. Mm-hmm. And you'll have the Indians and the Africans, you know, trading stories about abuse, basically. Yes. Oh, we were beat. I remember one day my father flogged me. I couldn't sit for two weeks. The skin of my buttocks had peeled off. And 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 they're laughing. And they're trading these stories in the space where I am getting livid because I remember I used to get corporal punishment, as they call it. I used to get beat. And it took me years to be able to call it abuse. You know why? I couldn't bring myself to call it abuse because of the connotations for my family, for my community. Like, how do I, 
okay, this is how we grew up. This is, and, and, and people will say, yeah, but that's how we're raised. That's how we raise children over there. I'm like, that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it right that you're brutalizing children and then you'll turn around, joke about it and say, oh, but look how fine we turned out. And I'm like, no, most of you are dissociated. Most of your intimate relationships are so shallow because no one can emotionally connect with you, That's you right. know? And, and so they tell these stories and our kids are around. Now, other kids in these families, sometimes I watch and, you know, they're, they're kind of laughing along too. And, and I'm like, you are saying this as a way to give yourself permission to do this to your kids. You're actually telling your kids this is okay. My kids, on the other hand, will literally do this and cringe. If they can leave, they will leave. If I can take them out, I take them out. Because for them, it's ghastly. Some of the stories that are being traded as okay and normal. And that's just how we were raised. That's a form of denial, like I said, that really, really irks me because I, I, most times I, I do call it out. You know, I'm a big mouth. Yeah. Because I'll be like, no, 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 we can't, you know, let's not sugarcoat this. Yeah. That was abuse. And that's, yeah, yeah, but in Western terms, that's abuse. And then the whole, you know, the Western constructs and ways of raising kids. And, and then, of course, I always use the most extreme kids. And you see, these kids, they don't get beat. That's why they're like this. You know, all that kind of stuff starts going on. I mean, it's such a deep denial and it's dangerous. Well, and when you when you come from being hit and abused, you become so frightened of vulnerability. You become so frightened of making a mistake. And you 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 have to master, you know, camouflaging and masking and not trusting in order to survive that kind of environment. Well, now if the way you master your development and the way you gain self-value and self-respect is you have to emotionally connect with mistakes and problems and your emotions. There's a wonderful book called The Tao of Pooh. And it has this chapter. It's a book on Taoism. And mm-hmm. it has this chapter and it says, you know, there's so many people who are intellectual, smart, intelligent, but very few people are wise. Because mm-hmm. in order to be wise, you must travel through your emotions. You must get vulnerable. And that vulnerability and mastering it and getting comfortable with it and getting comfortable with mistakes, well, then you move out of struggles much more effectively and efficiently. Problems don't take that long. Right. When I get couples sometimes and they're arguing and, I, and I'll tell them, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better because I'm going to teach you how to get messy. And your, our goal, you're going to watch your argument that takes three days or three months we're going to get it down to an hour and sometimes we're going to get it down to 20 minutes because I've got to get you comfortable when the mistake happens, when you screw mm. up, when you're, when you're tired and you say a jabbing statement, when you're a little shit. I mean, I'm, I'm a little shit when I'm really tired and fatigued and hungry. I'm short. I'm snippy. And what? we all are. Yeah. And then what you got to learn to do when you get more comfortable and say, oh, my God, I can totally hear myself. Like people, family alert, like I'm being a bitch. (laughs) Listen, mama bear is tired. Take nothing personally tonight. 
And I think I got to figure out what I need right now because I can hear my mouth. I can hear my tongue. I can hear what I'm doing. I'm blaming everybody for every stupid little thing. And then my family starts to laugh instead of feeling like they have to walk on eggshells. They start laughing at the mama bear going, oh boy, today's her her long day. It's like this. And it becomes a way that we connect and it's comfortable to screw up and make mistakes. I say this to parents all the time. Please get good at mistakes with your kids. No one's effing perfect. It doesn't exist. Exactly. And the more comfortable you get with looking at your problems and your issues, you're going to get such, you're going to become such a great communicator. You're going to communicate what you need, what you want, what you think, what you feel. You're going to set limits. You're going to become a highly effective, efficient person. Right. People like to be around because you're approachable. You're not judgmental. You're humble. You can get vulnerable and people who struggle with that are so scared of being judged. Mm-hmm. They're truly afraid of being judged. And what I say to people is, you know what? If you got people around you that are judging you, truly being mean or nasty, those aren't the people you get vulnerable with. You find the group that's going to be compassionate and understanding and be there for you. And that knows how to well, get and, and- and part of it is if you have to, I always say, and I say this to when I've worked in residential or in the prison or even in like a private sector, when people say, well, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I consider myself a respectful man or a respectful woman. I say, no, you're not. And they get, they like, what do you mean? I said, no, you're not. If you have to tell me you're respectful, you're not being respectful. Exactly. And it's the same thing. It's like, it's the same thing with like, and you know, it's like, if you have to tell me something, it's like the same thing in a relationship. If I had to ask you for a kiss, am I really getting it? It's like the, right. the teaching us to be vulnerable and teaching us to be intimate and teaching and, and allowing the kind of organic nature and energy just kind of exist between us in a synergistic way, meaning a fancy term for just, you know, our just our bodies allowing each other to connect. Right. And I think that's part of the like, letting go of the discipline sometimes like, you know, talking about at the beginning where it's like, yes, these defenses help us and, and they help us get through some pretty tough ass times. But then guess what? We wake up and we're like, Holy shit. I'm, I'm through the tough times. So now I have to start letting go of that discipline. And I have to know that I can rely on myself and there's a me and an I and a my in, in, in this whole, whole, the you know the whole of us and the us of us you know when you're talking about relationships or friendships or family it's like you, you know you, allowing yourself to just be and exist and i think and that's something that i teach my clients a lot about is that you know instead of spending the time trying to convince others but, but in actuality you're trying to convince yourself and i just recently said this to a you know a friend colleague where it's like you know i don't want you judging me i said no stop right there I said, what I just found out and what I just heard from you is you're judging me. That's it. <laughs> and I said, so I'm going to have to reevaluate because I'm not certain that this, I'm not certain that I'm okay with this if I know that you're judging me. And <laughs> I said, I want to be able to just let my shit out. And I want to just, I want to, I want to deal with my shit. 
And if you're judging that, well, I have wonderful, beautiful people in my life. And I said, you know, and, and I think allowing people to be comfortable to actually the power of discernment, that there's power in that to actually discern for yourself. And it helps you to recognize when you're, when you're, when someone is intruding or taking away. And so you don't keep giving and giving and giving away yourself. Right. Absolutely. And it's funny because one of the things, you know, Mary Grace and I, and, and as you're talking, Matt, and I'm thinking of what Mary Grace was saying, the fear in people who are in denial is so huge. I literally know somebody who, because I'm an empath too, and because I'm spiritual, I'm able to kind of even read the energy of this person. And I kid you not, he believes that if he were ever to break the walls down, he would disintegrate and he would never be able to put himself back together. It's the fear of annihilation. It's real. I watch because I've never known someone who is so controlled and in control of everything about themselves <laughs> to the point where you, you even to somebody who will say, I'm angry. They're like, or somebody will say, I'm hurt. And say, like, well, notify your face. <laughs> I mean, really? Do you know what I mean? It, it, they, they come out like cold clinical statements with absolutely no emotion. You don't get that emotional surge of somebody who's angry or that emotional surge of somebody who's really hurt. And for an empath like me, because of the whole energetics of it, I'm like, it, it feels like you're dealing with someone who's totally cold, like cold, dead. But, but the fear is what's cold in there. That fear of literally probably feeling like if I, if I even let a chink in this armor, I will fall apart and that'll be the end of me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, something that uh, I actually was just lo- reading up on and listening to was all about unconscious bias. And mm-hmm. you have to think before you speak. Uh, if someone walks in a room... Uh, a lot of folks will just go judgmental, but and then they'll verbalize it in some way, shape, or form that is detrimental to that experience when you're getting to know somebody. But you have to understand the words that are coming out of your mouth and how they may hurt somebody. You have to right. control those thoughts and you have to speak clearly with an understanding that you're not there to, you know, step on toes. You're there to understand them that much more. Right. You know, that's an unconscious bias and we all have it. We just have to practice not doing, it, you know, verbalizing it. We have to, in, you know, internalize it first before we can actually say anything. So I just, I thought that was interesting what you guys are talking about today and what I was just reading through. Um, it just, it's, it's, it all correlates. It really does. Yeah. Yet to practice, first of all, to know that if you are someone who struggles with denial, has a hard time, they get anxious at looking at their mistakes. They get anxious at, you know, connecting with problems and seeing themselves as vulnerable. That it's going to be uncomfortable when you first start to do it. It just will be. Your your heart's going to race. Um, and I say, it's okay to say, I am so uncomfortable doing this right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to come out. So please bear with me. And and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I really don't know what's wrong right now. Mm. 
and be be open about your nervousness be open about your vulnerability and what you don't know so many times again in couples therapy you know the i'll get this silence in the room because they're so furious and stuck with each other and and i'll say what are you experiencing right now and they're like i'm so mad and this person won't listen and i said do you know what to do in that moment especially when you're at home Hmm. and they're like no i said say you're stuck I'm so stuck right now. I don't want to be in this place with you, but I'm freaking stuck. Hmm. I don't know how to get us unstuck. And I want to be on the same page and I don't freaking know how to do it. I all, and I can hear my husband when we first got together, I was so freaking angry and I would get on these intellectual talent, you know, tangents. And I would say, look, and I can hear him on the soapbox. I can't stop it. The adrenaline's just a freaking running man, but I'm aware give me a minute. And he just started laughing at me. And he's like, Oh my God, you look adorable right now. Then I didn't know what the hell to do. Hmm. Just kind of sat on the bed and said, what? What? And he goes, just don't beat yourself up. Like, just don't be, I said, I can hear my freaking mouth. I can't shut it up. It's like a freaking faucet on full blast. (laughs) What the hell am I going to do? I go, I hear it. I hear it. I go, but I have so much adrenaline coursing through my body. I can't freaking stop. Hmm. And then he said, well, you're winding down. I said, yeah, I guess I am. And then I said, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I'm going to work on this. But it's so physiological. I have so, I'm a street fighter personality. The adrenaline is ridiculous. Right. Well, and I think that's interesting too, though. Like you're, and, and it really is like so. I mean, the blessings that can keep coming from that, though, when you make that choice to say to somebody, and it's not the answer, it's just an explanation. So it doesn't have to be a declaration to be out of denial. You can explain and say to someone, I'm stuck. What happens is, and you touched on it earlier, but I want to bring it back up, is then everyone doesn't have to walk around on eggshells. What you what you the gift that you give to yourself and everyone else is you relinquish them and liberate them from the shackles that they have to walk around in because you're and and it's, and again, and for all the listeners, it's not intentional. And if you're around and if you have a good group of, you know, friends and family, they'll understand, but practice telling somebody I'm stuck. Or I don't know what I need. I just need some compassion and some empathy. I'm feeling some intensity right now. But in that moment, when you say that, and again, it's not the answer. It's not the answer, but it's an explanation. You free everyone from feeling like something's wrong with them or as if they have to fix, as if they have to fix you. And here's something too for the listeners. Guess what? You don't need fixing. We have emotions. We have problems that lead us to being in denial. Again, going back to what Mary Grace said at the beginning, it's like, you know, we, denial is not a bad thing unless it starts taking up more and more stock and more and more inventory in your head. And to the point where you're not, where you're closed off, you start isolating, you start, you know, an isolation of affect. Oh, I'm like, Barbara, you were saying, I'm, I'm angry. I'm like, the, what? What? You, you're angry. Your face isn't saying it. Your body's not saying it. Again, it's like teaching yourself to feel. 
teaching yourself that it's okay to feel. And I think again, too, we're, I mean, we're touching on so much, but the PTSD is like that comes into play. And it's, it's so apparent that it may not be pathologically PTSD, but it's adjacent. What I mean by that is you may not have experienced something that you might have identified or defined as full blown or pathological or that required you to go into an office or, you know, some sterile doctor's office, but you've experienced something adjacent to it. And because of that, it's, it's, it's created an atmosphere where you struggle to cultivate your fullest potential. Yeah. And how, and how upsetting is that? And how, and and how sad, and and that's really the biggest crime. The biggest crime of all is that we're all trying to reach our highest potential. That's it. And when you can't, how upsetting is that? Right. That's right. And we all have fear. We all have anger lets you know something's wrong. Anger tells you to pay attention. Right. Talk amongst yourself. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's, you know, one, we all have shit. Everybody, please, please hear me. We all have crap. And, and the more you get to know what your crap is and you fall in love with it, the more effective you will be in relationships and you will make better quality connections with people. And I, I want, you know, an exercise to do is one, I want people to think about the book, um, Healing the Shame That Binds mm. by Bradshaw, John Bradshaw, um, because with denial, sometimes can be a paralysis where if you were somebody in childhood that got the shit kicked out of you, that couldn't be vulnerable, or you came from a really cold, stoic family where it was always silent, you couldn't show emotions, and you felt really alone, um, then you have to understand your mechanisms inside to be able to deal with emotions and feelings, you're not going to be able to know how to do it. And you're not going to be able to do it well. And you have this message in your body that says, run from it, hide. And so when an emotion shows up or something you don't like, or somebody makes you mad, you can get paralyzed. And that paralysis can come off as saying, it's no big deal. Here's a denial. No big deal. Oh, well, you know what? You know, I don't care about that person. I'm never going to talk to that person anyway, ever again. And here, here it is, you know, I, I'm going to run. I'm going to get out. I'm not right. going to deny what's going on in my body. I'm going to deny how I feel. Well, I've said this so many podcasts. People, if you don't set limits with people and if you don't get upset with them and you don't have your vulnerability, you're not going to know who's in front of you. It doesn't define who you are. It lets you know who they are. If they turn around and judge you, oops, there's the freaking door. Right. Bye. Yeah. And if they hurt you or make fun of you or, or gaslight you, which we talk about that term a lot, you have to know who's in front of you. You need better quality friendships, relationships, people that you can connect with. And they are out there. They are the thing too, uh, just as you were talking, Mary Grace, and I'm thinking about this, you see, it's a kind of double-edged sword because 
if you're in denial, so say you're somebody who's really dissociated from your feelings or, or your emotions or whatever, it becomes very difficult for you to deal and handle other people's emotions too. And so that's like a double whammy because other people cannot, because they cannot, you can't access you. So other people can't access you and you don't know how to deal with their emotions when it comes. And that's one of the things I see with these parents and they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're cardiologists, they're all dissociated Mary Grace and, and Matt. Okay. And their children who are more whole for lack of a better term, who have not gone through what they went through, are busy trying to access their parents and their parents don't know what to do. They, yeah. they, 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 so they've got this kid who's now, she's got emotional problems, she's got this going on because she wants her dad's affection, but dad, dad doesn't give it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's, it's so sad to watch mm-hmm. because there's no doubt in my mind that these parents love their children. Yeah, it's almost like they just don't know how to show it in yeah. the way that matters or means something to the kid, because they'll say, you know, but I love them. I pay, I pay the bills. You know, they go to private schools. I've got this and this, and it's like great, but that's not what the kid is requiring or needing from you right now. What you're providing for is essential external. The kid is yearning for some kind of connection with you. Yes, and that's the sad part to watch. Goodbye. You know, there's an exercise that I want to share with people who are listening. And I want you to take a piece of paper and write down, if I show someone I'm sad, then what will happen? And write quickly. Don't overanalyze this. If I get angry at someone, then I fear this will happen. And what is it? And keep writing. If I, if I, If I share my vulnerability, then I'm worried this will happen. If I get angry at someone, then this will happen. And these in the therapy realm are called myths. Mm -hmm. Sometime in your life, it was real. When you were growing up, it was probably real that all of these bad things happened. But in adulthood, you change it. You have the power to cultivate and change your relationships. You are not a trapped child. And so start with that so that you get to know the very quiet messages that go off in your subconscious that lead you to deny, minimize, rationalize things that you really should be paying attention to that cause you to detach. The next thing, as you've written that list and gotten to know, like, what are the messages in my head? is I want you to write another line in which you say, you know, when I make a mistake, I feel what? When I do something wrong, I do what to myself? Ask yourself these questions so you can become aware of what little messages that are controlling you are happening that get you to stop being vulnerable, and then knowing what you need. Because on the other side of those emotions, your body then now knows what you need, what you have to do, how to take care of yourself. So I want you to do that. And then the other thing is I want you to get a book on shame because these mean things lead you to feel bad about yourself, scared to talk. And that needs to change. And, and the book on, you know, Healing the Shame That Binds is a great book on, 
on helping you to, to first of all, be more and more aware of what you are saying to yourself subconsciously and consciously that gets you to go into denial and be paralyzed, but also what that's, it gets more in depth in figuring out your shame spiral, we call where you kick your own ass for making a mistake, where you condemn the shit out of yourself for screwing up or if you think you hurt somebody. And that's really important to understand those cycles. So I I want all the, the viewers to know, like us three, the three of us, <laughs> we are not perfect. And in our relationships, we have struggled. We have gotten mad at each other. Oh, yeah. I, I got mad <laughs> at Matthew. I was scared to death. I was shaking in my boots. <laughs> I love Matthew, and I don't ever want to hurt somebody, but I was upset about something. And each time the three of us do that, and the same thing with Barbara. I, mean, I got mad at Barbara. And each time we've done that, we've grown. Exactly. We you elevate. You just elevate a little more. You elevate. And, and you get closer. And you get closer to one another, too. Yes. Right? Because we weather that storm. Yes. And I can trust you emotionally. Yes. You didn't brutalize me, and I didn't brutalize you. So we know. See, it sets us up for the next time. Because guess what, guys? There's always going to be a next time in relationships, what? okay? You're, it, what's going to happen is how you show up. Relationships are messy. They are hard. That's part of the beauty of them is how you show up with mm-hmm. to that mess and how you negotiate or navigate it. So every time you stop denying a problem and you deal with it, guess what? There's going to be another problem, but you've set yourself up so nicely to deal with the problem that comes because you've shown yourself that you can do it. Mm-hmm. And you get more and more adept at it so that you're not always feeling stuck. You see that word, feeling stuck. Uh-huh. Because a lot of people feel stuck. Yes, yes. And call it out in your relation. I feel so stuck. I do not know how to make us better. I just don't know how to do it. I want us to be better. That's my intention. Right. But I'm freaking stuck. I don't know what to do. Well, and somebody, two people who are willing to put in 100% effort, then you don't have to worry about the loyalty. And that's part of it is that you can be loyal to each other and you can be loyal to your to your yourself and that's where the self gets to exist and the self gets to grow and then you don't have to exist with that denial you can actually be yourself and all the messiness and all the greatness and everything that in between but you can be that when you're with somebody who also is doing it themselves so when two people are doing that work again like barbara was saying it's like you're not weaponizing it you're not brutalizing somebody you're actually, and you're not exploiting my feelings. You, and you know, when you have that, I mean, that's where the magic does take place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, that's right. That is exactly right. And I think that is, you know, in closing, shame does not work. <laughs> Your emotions are key communicators to you. They're alert systems. They tell you that something's wrong. If you have a hard time accessing them, you go through denial, rationalizations, paralysis, do some work. 
that helps you to get to know them. Journal, 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 get a piece of paper out, do the assignment that I talked about a few minutes ago. You can always contact us, message us. Uh, if you want another resource, if you want a referral, we can help you with that. We're here to help all of you to fall in love with this shit, people. Yeah. And if there's any little son of a out there that freaking makes you think that they have shit that don't stink, they're freaking liars. It's it a lie, exactly. <laughs> I mean, really, really. Fall in love with your shit. Fall in love with your crap. We care about all of you listeners. So please, please message us. And uh, I think that's about it for tonight. Thank you. Yeah, have a great rest of your week, guys. Have a wonderful weekend and catch you next time. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>